There we go. Polu Lua Tassi. And welcome back to <laughs> Untitled. Episode 14. We're back. Bring it back. Here we go. Right, Another who one. Did, who didn't mute your stuff? Kelsey. Sorry, it was my computer. Fact checker laptop. I gotta have it ready, alright? Yeah, you always stay. You always stay strapped. Always stay ready. Always. Oh, man. We're back. We're back. We're in the Episode building. 14. Episode 14. You know, we're always delivering the heat. Hope you're all having a great day. Stay safe. Stay COVID free. Yeah, that's you know? unfortunate, actually. Well, oh, well because, you know, the, like, the I think. <sighs> well, yeah, but it's been so long. And I just want to go to, like, the club and dance and, like, have a good time. And then, you know, it's, like, 2 in the morning. And you're like, well, I guess let's go get Chinese food or something. So then you go get Chinese food or something. And then by the time you do that, it's, like, 4.30 or 5. Yeah. And you're just having a good time all night. So what you're saying what is, be- before the new restrictions kick in, we need to have just one night, like, we Friday should. night to just be an absolute rager. Like, you know what it every- is? What? You know what you could call it? It's, like the party purge it's like the purge yeah. but like we're all having a party yeah you know especially before that's clever that's clever yeah, these new restrictions are gonna go into christmas uh yeah a month oh yeah so, no no good no good no not mas. fun no mass no no um yeah but i definitely feel we should have like one day like the friday the friday we're putting the word out right now to where all those listening, it's all not the happening. World, actually, <clears throat> many of those in Alberta, right? We know there's a good portion of you listen here in Alberta. Okay, Friday night we're gonna go hard. We're hitting it hard. Okay, well, technically it would be the day that this episode is, which okay. is Friday. Yeah, Friday. but it's not happening, which is sad. But you know what's cool? Yeah, they said the majority of our listeners are in Alberta because they are. But we also are in five countries now. Yes, we're in five countries. <clears throat> Okay, so we're in Canada. Yeah. We're in the States. Mm-hmm. We're in Mexico. We're in the United Kingdom. And we're in Australia. Ooh. Ooh we're all worldwide out here. Oh, shit. So make sure wherever you are listening to this in the world, make sure you guys turn up. You deserve to turn up, especially mm-hmm. after all the... <laughs> there is places turning up because they did the responsible ass thing yes, and did. now they're good. Yeah. Everyone's Ridiculous. Being like, oh, they're in lockdown again? Really? Goddamn. Wow, these guys... We got yeah. a bubble tea today. We did. We did. How was your day, though? My day was quite well. Quite Good. Um, it was a very straightforward day. Um, everything was pretty good, except for when I went to the gym. We found out they were going to close down on Saturday. Mm-hmm, that's true. But I went to go hit bench. Oh, this was this this threw me off. This threw me off. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I, me not. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> me not. Me neither. Um. Yeah, I guess my left side was a little stiff, a little tingly. Was it hurting? Like when you tried to go up, was it just like your hand, like too much weight? Like it what just, was about it? I couldn't get. I couldn't put power through my left side. Mm-hmm. Like either I didn't warm up properly. Like I was trying to rush, and maybe I shouldn't have gone. Yeah. Two plates. So fast. So fast. <laughs> so that might be something. So I gotta maybe take a step back there. But I'm just trying to get it in as much as I can before. 100 percent well i crushed out end. you did you crushed i crushed you out bench for that. you you dummied that i was like well, i did bench, and i'm like shit i was just like fucking get it up because you just never know what's gonna happen that's what she said <laughs> disgusting <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh vine or tiktok or whatever yeah that gets to me uh, anyways all right 
Let's get to it. Let's get to our guests. We are so pumped for this. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. one. Oh, wait. You have to do the intro. I'm about to take it away. Yeah. Wait, Welcome back to Untitled with Omari <laughs> Fraser and Kelsey Matiri. We're back. We're back. Again. We okay. already said that, but again. Yeah. Doing everything proper here. Um, but getting into it. Yes. Getting into it. Into the nitty gritty. We got our next guest on the show. Bringing it to you live here. We got someone who's making a name for themselves. And I really feel this person here today is going to bring you a lot of value and mm-hmm. it's all about the value insight what you can do for yourself right? so yeah i think that's pretty much the direction we're headed yeah you just yep. remember everything happens um oh what's that saying go to you not for you uh, for you not to you yeah i mean i'm i, I don't know on that. I, <laughs> I heard it in a podcast i was listening to the other day and i blanked on it but i have a strong feeling that that saying will feed into what our guest is going to get into and what she has to share. So love to hear it. She's got notes. Said, she she's got notes. Got notes. I can see the notes. She's got them. She that. came here with a whiteboard. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> this is uh, this is basically featured here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but our guest here comes from the province out west in BC, Penticton. Moved here to Alberta ten years ago. Been thriving ever since. All right, looking forward to hearing more of her story. She's, from what I've been hearing from our sources and research, she's the best <laughs> rugby player here in Alberta. Yes. And possibly Canada, and Team, Team Canada, which I'm sure she'll get into here. So Probably. Uh, and she's very humble, very humble about yes. it. Yes. I was giving her the in-depth of my research, and she's just like, no, no. Not me. That's she's not me. I wouldn't say time. that. <laughs> yeah. So let's please put our hands together for Janae. Ha-poo-pa-pa-pa. Ho-pa-pa. What, pardon? Ho-pa-pa. 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 Yes. Okay. I definitely... My dad's from New Zealand, <laughs> New so Zealand. Um, that's where the name Ho-pa-pa. comes from. It's Maori. Maori, that's mm. sick. Thank that's you. Cool. I feel bad for botching that, and I know my... Oh, I guess you're going to need to laugh at that. Why don't you just do it one more time? One more time? Just, yeah, try it again. Ho-pa-pa. Okay. Ho-pa-pa. Yeah, you got that. There it sounds go. good. I I just, like, <laughs> I'm just laughing at your recovery of that because it was really, really bad. Oh, like, so I'm bad. actually crying over here because I thought that was so funny. It was so bad. Um, That's yeah. okay. Next time. This time you got it. Redo. <laughs> okay, it's redo. Hey, I'll roll it. I'll stay liquid out here. I am that sick. Like, does, I guess, does your family have a lot of lineage then back home in New Zealand? Yes. Um, so. so I had um, my great great grandfather. Um, okay, so I have to give a little tiny bit of background. I'll try to be brief with it, but yeah, you can um, take as long as you want. we literally the have all culture night. there was similar to how indigenous people, um, like the background of indigenous people here in Canada. So there was a lot of repression and um, taking away of their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, my oh. grandfather, my great great grandfather. Sorry, um, he started the first. Um, all Maori boys school. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so he was a pretty big deal. And there's a the main street in Rotorua where my dad grew up is named after his last name and my last name now, Hopapa. So it's called Hopapa Street. It's pretty cool. And that's I so went there cool. Two years back and got a picture under the sign, which was really, really, really cool for me. But yeah, um, there's a lot of culture in my family. I am the only one of my cousins who grew up in Canada. So all my other family grew up in New Zealand. Um, I don't quite speak the language, but I can sometimes understand conversation uh, when I'm around it, but I couldn't translate it to save my life. Um, my parents 
they were divorced when I was three. So um, learning the language was difficult when I didn't have the language in the house anymore. Yeah. Um, so I, I can kind of understand it. I can make the sounds like as children learn at young ages how to make sounds for certain languages. Everybody learns different. I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? No, I got you. But yeah. Like if you're from France, kids learn different sounds. If you're speaking Afrikaans in South Africa, they learn different sounds when they're young. So I feel like I have the base to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so pronouncing the words isn't as hard as as it is to understand it. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of cool, actually. Because in our episode with Stephanie, who's from Mexico, she said the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. true, though. I love it. It's, it's interesting, for sure. I think it's really important to, if you have a second language, getting that into children younger. Yeah. Um, it means they speak English slower. Like, they don't come out. Also, I, I work in early childhood education. That's why, <laughs> that's why I find it interesting, but... Um, yeah, when you teach them younger, they end up being able to speak a little bit better when they're older. Okay. Yeah, even French. I learned a little bit when I was in kindergarten. I wasn't in French immersion, but to this day, it's it's not that hard for me to pronounce French words. Yeah. I think just because you develop that sound. And um, your mouth moves different, right? You need different muscles and whatnot to make the sound. So I have always noticed anytime I'm learning another language, I, will, I, I tend to move my mouth more efficiently speaking that language compared to English, which I always have a hard time mumbling or trying to slow down. Absolutely. Do you speak more than one language? Just one. I can pick up like Spanish and French here and there, but... Nice. Um, what about you? I can do a little bit of French. I took French like growing up, um, but nothing like crazy, you know? I tried to actually take French to replace my math mark for university because <laughs> <laughs> I heard that that was a thing and it is a thing. Um, but it's been a, it's been a while since I did that one. But a minute um, has. I didn't know your cousin was from New Zealand. So one thing I have to ask then is, uh, obviously you play rugby. So obviously, what you're saying is you're a, you're part of the All Blacks team, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not even close. They're very talent, very very talented players, and they they have played the sport from a very very young age. And so just sometimes the skill and the experience, you can't match it when you've learned it so, so young. Mm -hmm. But I like to think that if I put the work in that I can match it with hard work. Yeah. But that's just how I like to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say like, um, well, it's probably fair to say that hockey here is like what rugby is to... Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like kids there starting. Yeah, very young. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They have a ball in their hands very young. It'd be kind of like soccer here when they pick up a ball there because lots of, like, Timbit soccer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess kids do that for hockey, too, but rugby doesn't have any gear required. You just need the ball and some socks and shorts and a T-shirt. Maybe some cleats, but little kids can wear runners, really. So it's a little bit easier, I think, than hockey is to get into. Yeah. Definitely an easier entry level to get into. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's always different family situations. So it is cheaper, you know, compared to the so much cheaper. Hockey's expensive. Hockey gear. Oh my gosh! You probably have friends who say, "I'll put my kid through hockey," or friends who gone and buying gear. It's expensive. Like hockey, Kelsey, in the house speaking of hockey. Yeah. What would you say your average cost on hockey gear was after the maybe name the initial cost and then the running cost of the gear. Well, it depends though, because it depends on like <clears throat> how, like the size of you too, and like what kind of gear you're buying. 
yeah. right? Like, are you going to buy the, the you know, lower end skates or are you going to spend like $600 or $800 or whatever? Like, I don't know. I don't even know what the prices are anymore because I haven't bought skates in since my second year of college. Yeah. I don't even know idea. I know a discount, so I don't know. But <laughs> it is expensive, like thousands of dollars. Like my parents, I'm so thankful for that because it's fucking expensive. And not it's not even just the gear though. It is the gear. But it's the gas, because you gotta drive to like a bunch of surrounding communities. It's it's the fees. Yeah. It's the fees. It's everything. It's it's expensive. I couldn't imagine the fees because when I think of football, it's outdoors, you know, um fortunately most of the fields are pool together so they can all come mm-hmm. down but then with <clears throat> hockey keeping the ice cold the building it's not temperature regulation yeah well like you pay your initial fees or whatever but there's and like and being a goalie is like even more mm-hmm. right so it's like i don't know but then we work your way up like i haven't bought equipment for a while because like i was given it mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's nice like through college so that helps but thank you to my parents because (laughs) shout out to mom and dad (laughs) shout out to mom and dad um that was a lot yeah (laughs) oh that was yeah sports yeah sports (laughs) sports sports speaking of sports um you're quite renowned as the (laughs) (laughs) well that's so this is interesting because janae actually knows our last guest Brittany. Mm. you guys played rugby together she says you're good so (laughs) What's about it? Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm all right. I like to... <laughs> like Are you to just being modest? It. What are you doing? Um, I play different levels, I guess. Okay. Uh, I work really hard. Um, long story short, as I started... It's not going to be short. It's not a short story. I moved here 10 years ago, halfway through my basketball season. I was a basketball and volleyball player in high school. And I was from a really small town. And my, like... A big dream of mine was to play varsity sport. That's it. That's all. That's as far as I felt like I could reach because I was from such a small town. It was actually quite impressive when somebody from that school, people would talk about it years later. Oh yeah, they went and played varsity here and they yeah. actually went to university and played on the team they started. And it was like a pretty cool thing. Um, my high school is in Summerland, um, which is 15 minutes north of Penticton in the Okanagan. And it was a small school and it's a small town. So, like, we couldn't even make up a senior volleyball girls team, and it was only oh, wow. six players. So, we didn't have enough to actually have a volleyball mm-hmm. team when I was in my senior years. Luckily, we had basketball. So, I moved halfway through the season. My mom moved us to Calgary. Um, when I got here, they wouldn't let me join the team, uh, but I took it upon myself to introduce myself to the athletic director and tell them who I was and just told them what I'd like to be able to do. Unfortunately, I couldn't play. So, a girl from my gym class convinced me to play rugby. And in my head, I thought, oh, okay, like my dad's from New Zealand. He's never, ever pressured me to play, which is usually the opposite of parents who um, have played a sport, especially one that's so known in their culture. So I just thought, okay, yeah, I guess I'll try it. And my dad was stoked. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I came out. I'd never touched a ball. I used to watch his games. I never touched a ball. I didn't know any rules, didn't know any positions. I had no idea how to play. Um, and then that was in grade... 11 I played my first year of rugby and I was starting I played a position called fullback um Mm -hmm. yeah so I was way in the backfield catching the ball kicking um from high school I had the boys coach come up to me after training one day and asked me to try out for team Alberta he thought I should go 
and you tried to convince me. I'm very shy. Like I'm an outgoing introvert, so I can be very shy until I'm comfortable. Um, and I get really nervous going to places. So I was really nervous to go. And I told my mom, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I won't make it. I was very like unsure of myself. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, woke up that morning of the tryouts and was like, mom, I need to go. And she's like, she's the best mom ever. She always supported me through sport and things that I wanted to do. So she's like, well, what are you doing? Get dressed. Let's go. We're late. And we got in the car and I made the team. So that to me was mind blowing at the time. Like I was very small town. So to me, I was like, whoa, I'm playing for a whole province. And I felt so small and it just made me feel very big. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that went on to lead to, I got an invite to come try out for the Canadian team, the U20 Canadian team, which was shocking. I only played the sport a year. I honestly still didn't know the rules. Like, oh, I, just, wow. I, yeah, I just played really hard and I, I picked up things very quickly, but I, I wasn't quite sure really what I was doing a lot of the time. I just tried to be athletic on the field. Um, and I ended up making the long list of that team um, on the reserve. So if I think Brittany said in her last episode, if anybody got injured, they'd pull me up to come on the traveling team. Yeah. And from there, I went to play club for years. And after that, I kind of finally, oh, I also played university at University of Calgary for two years. I was one of those athletes from high school that went to university to play sports. Like, that's about it. I wasn't sure about university. Mm. I very, I didn't do very well in school. And after two years, I looked at my bank account and said, wow, I'm in open studies with philosophy and Greek mm-hmm. mythology and psychology and kinesiology. And I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm $11,000 in debt and I'm playing a sport. So I'm like, there's probably a better way to go about playing a sport at a higher level. Yeah. Majoring in rugby, minoring yeah. in school. <laughs> Yes. And it was very difficult. School was always difficult for me. So university was even harder for me. And then to manage all the training at the same time as school when it was already mm-hmm. difficult for me um, didn't go very well. And I lost a lot of confidence in myself through that. I was just very busy. I tried very hard and it just, I didn't show in my schoolwork. Um, mm-hmm. And then moving, fast forwarding a little bit to 2016. Uh, my daughter was born in August. Um, her name's Atley. Shout out to Atley. <laughs> I'll show her later and she'll think it's so cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she'll think it's so cool. She's four years old now. Um, so I had her and then started playing club again after. Okay. I can break it down once we get there, but this was a point in my life I did not think I would ever play rugby again. And I, it, Brittany said the same thing, which is crazy because I didn't know other people felt that way at the same time. I thought it was very... That's it was like a very lonely place, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like it just felt like it was just you that were that was experiencing it. Um, but from there, I went on. I didn't let myself stay down when I was knocked down. I just kept getting back up. And I feel like it was like a fulfilling dream that I had. I played the highest level I ever could have of in rugby. I made the 2017 World Cup with the Canada Ravens. And it's actually rugby league. So there's two different codes of rugby, rugby union, rugby league. Um, and I got to go to Australia in That's November so cool. for a month. It was amazing. Oh, I um, see. Yeah, and I played in the World Cup, and it was just the coolest thing I've ever done. And then 2018, just after that, I played in the Commonwealth Nines, which is the opener to the Commonwealth Games in Australia again. Yeah. So I know that's a lot. <laughs> it's a long lineage of my rugby playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm sure your dad was stoked. 
All the way through. Yes, he was really happy all the way through. Yeah. He was pretty excited. My family was uh, very supportive. I had family come over from New... Uh, I think they came over from New Zealand. Yeah. Or maybe they were already there. Mm-hmm. But they just showed up randomly to my games. Family I've never met in my entire life. And it was... That's so crazy. It was such a good feeling. It was just such a good feeling. I can't explain it. It's it's crazy. You, like, look into this person's eyes. It's my uncle. He looked more... Like, we looked more like each other than me and my dad. And I was just like, what? And he just showed up out of nowhere. It was crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. But they That's were wild. Awesome. It was really wild. It really was. <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. So you had, you had mentioned... Um, sort of like a, a concept of like being your own hero mm-hmm. did that stem from some some type of like experience in rugby not really but it does relate to rugby when you look back so i've only kind of hit this point in like the last two months where oh, okay. i'm just like i i've come to a lot of realizations in my life and that's why i was really excited that i heard your guys's podcast too because i'm like i feel like i should speak about some of these things i feel like it's really relatable and that it gives a lot of insight to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like almost like kind of a little bit tired of being quiet. I'm very shy though. Like I am shy. I'm outgoing, but shy. Mm-hmm. So I'm somewhat tired of being quiet and feel like I should stand up and say more. Um, but that's very uncharacteristically me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's I'm, what this is. This is for like we created this show, this platform to have people like you be able to tell you know these stories and these journeys and what they've learned and like give advice because it's it is relatable and all the feedback we get is like wow like i feel that way too or i was going through that too or i've been through that um and it's like thank you for being so raw you know absolutely yes and so like talking about being your own hero it just like it honestly just hit me it just hit me out of nowhere and i was like i think i want to talk about this and then i had to sit down and be like wait what do i mean by that (laughs) and kind of think about it um but for me i think personally it was it was about just standing up and and taking yourself through the hard times because it's something i've had a lot of trouble with in the past um that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. So, what was your why? If you're comfortable talking about that, my why for doing this or for like speaking out or any all of it, anything. Um, I'd say. Sorry, I'm gonna check here for a sec. I told you guys she's got notes. <laughs> she got notes. She's got Scou- the notes. Scouring the whiteboard. I mean. A lot, I guess it's kind of why is kind of the motivation like a broad term of my motivation is my daughter um, I've done a lot of work on myself just because I find as everybody does that what you do is going to transfer into your child and what your child does will transfer into the world eventually and so I find it to be very very important who you are and who you portray yourself to be um, is really important to help bring up the rest of the world as they grow it's not going to be just us forever. It's going to be somebody else eventually. And the world's a scary place sometimes. Um, when I had a kid, I in my head, I always have to have a reason why. So in my head, I was like, why am I doing this? Is it just for my own satisfaction? Is it because I want to be what society thinks I need to be? Is it because I'm a woman? And if I don't, then something's wrong with me. Or like, why did I want to do that? And I thought about this because she was planned. So um, I thought about this beforehand. And to me, I just thought that I have value and I can make I can make it so she has more value than I had. Like I've made a lot of mistakes, but I still think I'm a very good person and that the world needs more good people. And if I can help contribute to that, then I want to. And that's kind of like the why for that part. <laughs> what what was your why before your daughter? 
So you know, people like to say like, "Oh, my kids and my wife." I'm like, that's, yeah, that's a very fair and common answer. Well, that's a really good question. Of what that's it, a really what was good it before, question. Because it's very easy to say, "All right, I have this little human who is going to yeah. work for me. I need to make sure the mouths are fed, beds are full, and you know, bedtime stories are read." Yeah. But before is when it's just just you. Before that, I have, I think I'm just, I'm slightly a strange person, I find. (laughs) And I just had this inner motivation to not be nothing. I'm like, it was an inner drive that I had all of my life as a kid. And I had very strong morals and values, even as a young child. My parents always told me um, that I had a lot of strong morals, values, and ethics as a young child. And I don't feel, I feel like a giant child because I don't feel that I've changed that much since I was very young to this point in time, besides some growth. Um, and understanding and who I am. So my why before was just that I refused to be mediocre. That was my only why. I couldn't like bear to the thought of living a mediocre life, being a mediocre person, having the world at my feet and doing nothing about it. So I just, that's been my why and my drive to do more or do something mm-hmm. or be heard or be seen or, you know? Yeah. It's like a little fire on yes. the inside. <laughs> yes, it's all, it's on the very far yeah. on the inside for me, but it does come out. I, it usually comes out more in what I do more so than what I say or um, what I portray. It's more so how I act. And I've always, again, always been that way as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. One, one thing I'm, let's say a trend I'm seeing, but this is, I guess, being an athlete, do you say it's, it's easier to put work and effort into your body and have it? Expressed through your body than through your mind. At the time, it was easier um, because I think I liked like at the time talking in high school before I had a daughter. um, At that time, it was easier to do things physically than it was mentally. But I didn't. I I don't think I was mature enough at the time to recognize what was going on in my internal workings. That's that's in my notes. My internal workings. and physically, I think why I got into sports is I'm a kinesthetic learner. So people who don't know what that is, there's visual learners, auditory learners, and kinesthetic learners. Um, a visual learner learns off visual aids. Um, so um, pictures or writing notes or reading text, they can see it and consume the information. Auditory, they can hear lectures or people talking and they can consume the information that way. And then kinesthetic, you have to actually be doing to learn it. I struggled in school my entire life, you guys. Like It was so difficult and I didn't feel stupid. So it was even worse because I did not feel that I wasn't smart. But my grades, since I was in grade three, I can remember that's when it started, grade three. Um, I'd have parent-teacher interviews and people, or sorry, teachers would tell my mom that I'm just not as academically inclined as my sister or my brother and that I'm struggling, but she's, she's great to have in class. Um, she's always a pleasure. She helps our classroom run smoothly. She's always a good help. She listens to everything we say. She's quiet. She pays attention. I always did everything I was supposed to do, but my grades never did what what they expected them to do. Um, and then I kind of went through stuff where they were talking about, is she dyslexic? Should we get her tested? I, I struggled to read for most of my life. The first book I read, I was 24. It's Whoa. the first time I read a wow. book front to back. Um, when I was 24, I learned that, and I, sorry, first, I think that's why I got into sports is because I thrive doing sports. Because if somebody says, you shoot a basketball like this, okay, I get into the form, I watch their form, I get into the form and I do it. When it doesn't work, 
and they tell me you have to tuck your elbow in. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll tuck my elbow in. I do it and it works. It's like, yeah. that's how I learned as a kinesthetic mm-hmm. learner. Sports were so easy for me and I love them and I felt very confident and it made me feel good about myself. So that's kind of where I got into sports um, and why I expressed myself through sports for so long is because I didn't think that I was intellectually smart because everybody kept telling me or it just kept showing that I wasn't very academically inclined is how they would say. Yeah. And okay. um, 24, when I read my first book, the reason being is I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I actually went to a psychiatrist because I'm a person who does not like to take medication. I really do not unless I have to. Headaches, I will like massage my big toe or my thumb, like anything. I don't necessarily like to take medication to fix my problems. I like I'll drink water for a headache, something. I do everything I could before I took the medication. So I was very thorough and my family doctor said, you have ADHD. And I was like, okay, I want to get tested by a psychiatrist. I want to go see him. And I did that. And I have severe ADHD um, that just wasn't noticed because I wasn't hyper in yeah. their terms. My brain yeah. is hyperactive, but I physically was not hyper. Um, so that is another reason why sports are very easy for me is because I could move while doing something and learning something. So I could take in what the coach was saying. I was the kid that's always playing with the ball in my hand when they're trying to talk, but I, I could learn better when I was doing that basically. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was when I was 24 years old. Did you notice coaches, was it easier for coaches to catch on once they, as once they, if you ever had that conversation with them, like, oh, I'm ADHD and if I'm doing this, know that I'm listening, but like. Because it wasn't until I was 24 that I knew um, most of my life, they would think I'm being distracted and I'm distracting people. So I would get in trouble for moving and I really struggled to move. So I'd have to, my whole entire life, I've come up with different tactics I could use that helped me control what was ADHD and I didn't know. Um, so something I would do when the coach was talking is I'd get up close so nobody, I couldn't see anybody. I'd, I'd be up front in front of everybody and I'd take a knee. And then I just watch the coach and try my best to just keep reminding myself. Like if you don't have ADHD, it's, it's crazy to know what the brain does. Like I could sit there, hear two words and then be like, Oh, why is the coach's shoe untied? I should tell him the shoe's untied. And it's just mm-hmm. everything. Like, like you just go from one thing to another. It's so hard to concentrate. It really is. But there's different things I used to do to help myself. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you have, have a lot of those key now that you used to? Thanks. Work your way through life. And- yeah. So I developed a lot of these skills. Other skills would be um, making a lot of lists. I would use sticky notes and stick them on my door, on my mirror, because I'd see them every single morning by my toothbrush. I'd have to put reminders everywhere. I'd have to write a list the night before of what I need to bring to school the next day. Or if I needed to do homework, I was constantly, I had to work so hard to make sure I didn't forget things. And my ADHD is like, I'm very scatterbrained and all over the place. And I looked like I was lazy at times because I'd be late. I'd forget my books. Um, I just didn't look prepared or ready for most things. Um, Mm -hmm. Most things. Um, Those skills, I it's weird because taking the medication, I didn't have to use those skills anymore at all. And I didn't feel any different taking the medication. Some people do feel different. They have trouble sleeping or um, they're a little bit more jittery. And I felt literally nothing. And that's basically my doctor said, that's how you know it's it's good for you. It's a good fit. Um, I felt nothing besides smart. Like I was just smart. I I didn't realize my whole life that I wasn't retaining any information I was getting. Mm -hmm. It took me a lot to retain any information. And then as soon as I started taking it, I didn't have to set all these alarms or all these reminders. Um, when I do come off of it, if I take a break from it, it is really hard for me. 
um, to remember what skills I used to use to remember. So I almost okay. go right, like I, I like lose the skills because I don't practice them very much. Yeah. Um, so life is a little bit difficult not taking them, but, and during COVID I did take a break from them. So I just didn't think they were necessary and I, I just like to cleanse my system, I guess. I don't <laughs> yeah, like to have fair. to take it every single day. And guys are so expensive. It's like $200 a month. Like that's like a bill. <laughs> it is. It's like straight my up. heat bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I can heat my house or I can like think straight. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> wow. It's interesting that perspective of it though. You know, because if you don't take them or you don't take a medication at all, then you'd have no idea. You know? Yeah, because I'm familiar with everything you go- with what you've been going through. Because I had a girl I was seeing, my ex, she had um, ADHD and she would tell me about you know, what she's going through in the bill. And like, I think at one point, um, she was looking at like a health plan to help get the, yep. get it covered. But there's very little coverage for it, especially with, there like, is, yeah, very little, um, I guess the, I should, I guess I'm going to find so the insurance side, but the like beginning packages don't cover it. No. Like, what is that you pay for where it's like, all right, it's 180 or it's like the advanced plan or the everything included plan. That's what it'll include, but who can afford that? It's exactly. It's a very, it's a struggle. It really is. It honestly is. And it should, oh, I could, I could almost tear up saying it because it's so necessary for my life. Like not remembering to pick up my daughter. It feels so bad not remembering when I'm supposed to be somewhere. And I genuinely feel just dumb. And I hate that feeling. Like I'm literally tearing up. It sounds so silly, but just to feel that way and to know that whole time. Like ADHD is a chemical imbalance in your brain. There's like, if you think of something on the right side, something on the left side, there's there's these chemicals that go back and forth. They're supposed to be recycled on one side and given back to the other side. People with ADHD don't recycle these chemicals. They hit one side and they're gone. So they're using, like there's not enough of it in their brain and that's what the medication does. It, it gives you enough of that chemical in your brain to function like a normal person. And this is how I had to like get myself to take them. I'm like, your brain doesn't have the right chemical balance. It's not your fault. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no skills that are going to do the same thing as a medication does. And I had to validate that to myself because I was just so frustrated that I couldn't just be normal. But, but the difference it made on my life is immense. I bawled my eyes out at my doctor's office because I told him I read a book and he asked me, what did you read? I was a personal trainer as well. So I was reading a bodyweight training anatomy book. <laughs> and then I told him I got lost. I didn't even know I read the book. And my friend was like, did you just read that whole thing? And I was like, oh, I think I did read that whole thing. And I like looked and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was four hours. And I read an anatomy book front to back, went to work the next day. And my mind was blown. I went to work the next day and actually applied it to my job. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Like, I'm smart, you guys. <laughs> and then I went to my doctor. I'm like, hey, I actually remembered shit. Sorry, stuff. I remembered stuff. And like swear. I regurgitated this information out when I needed it. And like, this is magical. Books are amazing. I hated books because I reading was such a struggle. Changed my entire life. It really did. Because all I could think of was like, I need to, I just started buying books. Like, I'm like, I'm so behind. I'm 24 years old. I'm buying all these books. I'm reading these books. People, I'm like, I can't believe people watch TV instead of reading at the time. Because I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, why mm-hmm. did they do that? They can learn so many things from books. And I had no idea. Like, it sounds very silly, but it's, I, I, if anybody has ADHD out there, they're going to know. They're definitely going to know and be like, I, that's exactly how I felt because it's just, it's a mind blowing experience. That's so crazy. I don't even really have words. Like, I'm just like, 
taking it in, you know? It's a lot. I know. <laughs> no, but that's like so eye-opening though. So I think when people are listening to it, they're going to be like, wow, okay. Because so many people have ADHD or, you know, a form of some type of, you know, issue where they can't like process things or think about things. And to hear you say that like it costs so much money when so many people have to deal with it. It's like heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? And coming back to what Omari was saying too, um, I talked to my doctor, I think it was last week, and we were talking about the cost of medication and exactly the same thing. And he said something about it's not patented or something like that. And that's why it's not covered on a regular plan or it's not covered for people. Um, but I, you guys, I literally have to reach out to a pharmaceutical company and ask and be like, Hey, can you supply me with some, uh, like it's COVID season up in here? Like I was laid off my job in March. Um, it's been tough. They didn't ask me back to my job when we opened up in the city. I work as a preschool teacher. So they didn't open up my position when I, or when they were opening the school up because yeah. there's less children coming to school and they, and it's a small business for them as well. So, but yeah, I'm literally reaching out to a pharmaceutical company because he said another one of his patients had to do that because of the cost of the medication. And if yep. you knew how I functioned on it and off of it, I'm a completely different person. I'm very put together and I'm like, it just feels it feels very different i can't even i can barely express it yeah but like what the fuck right? straight up <laughs> what the actual <laughs> fuck that's ridiculous no that actually pisses me off i'm actually irritated about that no that's that's not cool man like i i can't even put together what the fuck i'm thinking right now because i'm actually so irritated <laughs> how can you do that how can you do that Am I, you know what I mean? Am I wrong? How, no, how can you do you. that? You're not, you're definitely not wrong. And it's, is powers that are outside of us. And I definitely feel like a, a movement of, of where a collection, a collection of people who, are, who, who suffer from ADHD and all different, um, I'm not going to say disorder, but like just the way of their brain functions will say, hey, like, you know, we're all, we're just the same. We just need, need uh, some medication then be on the same page. And like everyone nowadays is using medication to stay alive, to get this function, get the liver flow, all different sorts of things. And, you know, why can't we just get some simple medication? Absolutely. To brain, you know. And even on that topic, I know I'm talking about it a lot, but on the topic of ADHD, it wasn't until I seen a psychiatrist to talk mm. about it that I, that he let me know. Um, it was a long journey. My like, my mental health journey was a long journey. I was going to touch on that as well, but he was the second psychiatrist I seen because the first one I seen, um, told me I was bipolar, which I felt very not good about, but it was in a point in my life where I thought, okay, well, things aren't working for me. I need to do something different. I'll trust the professional. And I was put on a bunch of medication that was terrible. It made me feel terrible. I was so much worse than I was without it. Um, it made me sleep through my alarms, miss work. It made me so sad that I couldn't eat. I think I lost almost 20 pounds because I, it wasn't that the medication made me lose weight. It's that I was so sad all the time that I would lose weight because I couldn't eat when I was, I was literally crying. No one can eat when they're crying. So like, it's like impossible. So um, after a while, I tried it for a bit and thought, you know what, this is getting way worse. And he's like, well, your mood's consistent, right? And I'm like, yes, I'm consistently not wanting to live anymore. But like, that's about it. That's about it. Like I was down in the dumps. Went to see this other guy, another psychiatrist, and he sat me down five minutes in. He said, I can tell you right now, you're definitely not bipolar. 
And I was like, are you sure? How do you know? Like, I've been doing this for months now. And that's what he said, the other guy said. And he said, you have severe ADHD. Like, we already knew this. The only time you're doing better is when you're taking the medication. And I said, but what about my emotions? They're all over the place. And this is the big thing is that he said, your emotions, just like your attention or your focus on, say, schoolwork, works in the exact same way for ADHD. So if you're writing a test and see someone walking outside the classroom and that distracts you, and then you hear someone tapping their pencil, that distracts you. And um, you see someone handing their test, that distracts you. You're like, oh my gosh, am I done yet? Like all those things are very distracting that you actually didn't even read anything on your paper yet. Um, it's the same thing with your emotions. If you experienced, you woke up happy, you felt happy. Um, you were late for work, you felt worried that you're going to get fired and somebody said something to you it made you feel bad you're feeling bad now ADHD works the same way with the emotions you feel all of them at the same time and you you can't decipher what is important now just like writing the test right now writing the test is important but your brain cannot tell you and it cannot function in a way where you can say writing the test is important focus on the test it doesn't work that way it's like you consume everything around you at the same time so the emotional part of that is something I had no idea about Um, but basically you consume all of these emotions and that's why some days you can be totally off the rails. You're like crying and you're happy and you're, you're panic, having a panic attack and all these things. I took ADHD medication, you guys, and this, it fixed all of these problems. And I used to have bad insomnia. I'd sleep two hours a night, two years straight. I slept two hours a night. Um, and it fixed my sleeping problems. They were always worried that it would, it's a stimulant. They were worried that it'd keep me awake. I slept eight hour nights since taking that medication right away. So my emotions were regulated. I slept properly. I could focus. I was accomplished. I did better in my sports and I did better in my work all around. So I, it does drive me crazy as well. How is this medication not available? Like what, what's going on? <laughs> There's probably too much money to be made. The Absolutely. Big, and they're an abused drug as well. Yeah. It's a big abused drug because it's a stimulant. That, because I, I guess, what's it called? The big study drug that... Adderall? Adderall. Yeah. One of my brother takes that. Because actually, my brother was diagnosed with uh, ADHD. And he didn't go through it. My parents, they opted a route to where he wasn't going to go on medication. And I guess he's... I'm actually not sure how he handles it now. Like, me and him don't have those kind of conversations. But I do know when it's, say, exam season... He'll manage to get some, start and use it for exam season. And he's like, all right, cool, I'm done with it. And then, you know, he's good for the semester and then goes on and off. But some um, people can do that too. Like some people, they do um, prescribe it that way as well to take it sometimes. Sometimes they say they prescribe it for kids who take it during the week and not on the weekends who are in elementary school or I'm not sure if it's that young, but some sort of before university type school. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to relate to now is you said you're, you teach preschool, right? Yeah, I yeah, do. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice working with little kids because you get to see like how they are in like their youngest, purest form and like all the mischief. Absolutely. And, Children mm-hmm. are the best thing in the entire world. I love them. Yeah. Um, are you able to then set, uh, sense or relate easier to children where you're like, oh, wait, maybe this child might have symptoms of ADHD and then help give them thought process or a task or an activity that might help them complete it better than other kids. A hundred percent. I think I'm a lot more understanding than, uh, than people were with me when I was a child. Um, I always find that a child knows what they need and they know 
like they know what they need and it's not even a want sometimes like they know what they need to learn when they need to learn it and they will seek it out so long as you provide an environment that allows them to find that stuff um so i was a preschool teacher in i specialize in montessori philosophy and montessori philosophy is like having freedom um, independence so everything in the room should be child-sized and they can reach everything people think it's chaos and it actually makes it so much easier because it gives the kids responsibilities um, and it lets them function like a little society i think it prepares them for life a little bit better um, because they have to take care of their classroom they have to learn how to take care of themselves um, to their age like in their developmental stage but what they can do i always believe they should do themselves yeah that's Say that principle again one more time. <laughs> Which part? The Montessori. <laughs> the Montessori. Montessori. Yeah, it's it's a type of philosophy for early childhood education. Um, comes from an Italian doctor, Maria Montessori. Yeah. And it was just the gist of it. It's probably not a perfect definition, but it allows freedom in the environment. It's a prepared environment specifically set out for the children. Everything is child sized so they can reach everything. Um, but they also have responsibilities to clean up after themselves. They they learn to care for their environment, care for themselves, um, care for each other. Yeah. Um, and the kind of freedom it allows is freedom to explore, basically. Yeah. It's supposed to entice children to want to learn instead of things at times in public school. I think everybody experiences that experiences this at some point in time. Um, my dreaded fear is not knowing the answer to a question, not putting up my hand. And having a teacher think that I'm just not paying attention or I don't care and saying, what's the answer? And I'm like, but my hand's not up. Like, I don't know. That I feel that that type of humiliation, like it brings me right back to the days it happened. Humiliating somebody when they're trying to learn is the worst way to get somebody to learn because they're embarrassed and they go introverted. They like withdraw. They don't find learning to be fun anymore. They don't want to learn because learning is embarrassing because I'm stupid. You know, like those things run through your head when you're put in those positions. So um, Montessori, I love the philosophy. Um, I'm biased because I do it for a living, but um, I love the philosophy because I really believe that it lets the children, it, it's, there's a huge, there's a big rule. It's called never break the child's spirit. So if a child messes something up, instead of saying that's not how you do it, building blocks aren't supposed to be for hide and seek. They're for building. You need to build them up. That's just creating a child that only knows how to do one thing with that material. Mm-hmm. I find that it's so much better for a child to let them explore the material. That's innovation. That's where the world moves. Um, you shouldn't take that away from a child. They'll still get something out of it, doing something else with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know that I mean? 100% makes sense. Yeah. What other... This now isn't quite intriguing to where <laughs> I, I would think preschool is like, okay, you're going to go here, you're... Is daycare that's going to prep you for kindergarten. That's how I would always have previously thought about preschool and um, what that was doing. So what other philosophies are there that I guess different preschools will have or um, follow? Or I don't know all of them, so I shouldn't speak Just, without... It's off the top of your head, like... Okay, so there's like... Intriguing. Well, for having a kid that's four, there's options like day home. It's a home base. It's a smaller amount of children there. Um, I find that there's normally like toy bins um, that get dumped out and shoved back in the bin. I, yeah. I do not like this type of, of thing. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just don't. It's messy. It's chaotic. It's not a stimulating environment, in my opinion. Some can be. I don't hate on them. I mean, I just started my own business. It's technically a day home, so I'm not hating on them at all. Um, 
just the philosophy behind it and the effort you put into preparing for the child, I think is key. It's key because you need to, that's your job as an adult. Your job isn't to tell them what to do, to tell them what to learn. A child from zero to six will learn effortlessly. They will learn effortlessly. That is a fact. They will learn effortlessly. Once you hit six, they have to actually consciously try to learn things. So I personally think that that age under six is so important to get them into somewhere that supports the way they learn and their developmental level and stages. Um, Preschools, it just depends. They're very different. It just depends. Montessori preschools are somewhat like I described. I used to work at the Montessori preschool as well. And then there's also daycares. I just find some of some daycares to be more chaotic. Like I always picture kids screaming, yeah. running, tripping over toys, throwing blocks at each other's head. Like that's what I imagine. I'm sh- like not all daycares will be like that, but that's what I imagine. Um, I wish I should show you guys pictures after this, but um, when you set up an environment specifically for children with like all the care you can take into every single item you put out, it's just a very different experience you get. You respect the material because you put a lot of work and effort into it. Um, the child will also respect the material. It takes time, but they'll respect it. And those are two main rules as well for the children. Respect the material, respect your peers, and then do whatever you need to be doing in this area. And you can guide them through certain lessons. Um, you can observe and see what they go for. Things They'll have different stages of, oh, what do they call now? Oh my goodness, I can't even think of the word. It's just not coming to my head. It's a simple word. Um, they sensitive periods. They have different sensitive periods. So language, movement, Oh my goodness. I can't really I can't remember that. It's okay, you're on the spot. You're on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. The more it happens. Language movement and jeepers creepers, something else. Um, but basically you'll notice what the child needs because the child will most of the time show you. If they're like one and they're pointing at a numbers puzzle, like they probably are interested in numbers. It's a good time to introduce it to them now. Don't try and sit them down and say, No, we're not doing numbers today, we're doing letters. Like letters, 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 and then just grind it into their head when they're not ready for it. They'll show you when they're ready, I believe, for the most part. That's this is also cool. I, I'm, I'm right. I'm just, I'm just exposed now to the preschool. Like, <laughs> obviously, like in the future, when like you know, I when I have kids and everything, like um, you know, you want to put them in the best situation to learn. And yeah, I definitely relate to. You know what you're saying. We're in the classroom, and you try and learn. Don't don't know the answer. It's so hard. And then get told, like, "Oh, yeah. you're not listening." I'm like, "Well, I'm trying, but I haven't processed anything yet." And being in that spot where you're in denial and you're feeling down on yourself, and you go into a hole. Yeah, I and then you don't want to go. You're like, "I don't want to go to class." That teachers mean. But what kind? Not every human being is the same. You can't sit them in the same chair in the same desk as every other kid and expect them to learn the same thing the same way as everybody else. I just don't think you can do it. You can't. If mm-hmm, somebody let me sure. stand up and dribble a basketball while I was learning, I guarantee I would have learned a lot more if I yeah. could have moved around. You yeah, know what I'm that's saying? fair. And it's interesting too that you said that because I think actually in episode three, Maddie mentioned something like that too because she's a, a dance teacher. She's like talking about how her students are saying like, "I'm stuck." in a school with X amount of kids and I'm I'm struggling in that space. You know what I mean? Because I'm not the same or I learn differently or, you know, like there needs to be something else. There has to be somewhere better. I think the world will, I think we will get there eventually. I have, I'm very optimistic. <laughs> I, I think good, that it is necessary and there's lots of things that are moving in the world 
that we didn't think would move the way they are, I yeah. guess. So who's to say that schooling wouldn't be one of those things? It's something that's so important. Um, and then I guess the last piece that I'd say about early childhood education is that if you can, if you can show that a child that learning is fun and learning is a good thing and they're always interested to learn through the ages of zero to six, they're going to go on the rest of their life and be, I personally believe will be a lot more successful in wanting to learn, maybe going to university. So putting, it does cost money. You guys, it's not as cheap as anywhere else to do Montessori lots of the time, but, um, I firmly believe you put the money in, in the early childhood and, and, instead of the university and then worry about university when it comes because all they need is that motivation to want to do university i think yeah like the funds will come around money can be made right mm -hmm. and you touched us earlier where you opened up your own day home correct your yes own, your own business i guess yes. that covid inspired business where it was um it's the idea started beforehand and I've been planning for probably a couple years before that. Not planning the business part, but I've been collecting the things that I would need to run it. So when I had to go about it, I think I needed one shelf and I had everything else that I needed. I wasn't planning on doing it till next year though. So it had to happen fast and we're, we're quite slow. I only opened up in November, um, but it's called Wholesome Beginnings. Yeah. And it's a Montessori inspired day home at this point in time. Um, I've always aspired to have my own preschool because I just find the minds of children to be like that's where I need to be. I feel like I feel that like I have so much understanding from my experiences that I would be it would be a disservice to the world for me not to um, spend time working with children and giving them the understanding that I never got when I was a child and that I never got when I was in high school or middle school or elementary school. Um, I really feel that that's where I should be at this point in time. Yeah, might change, but right now, I'm sure it will evolve. Um, but this is all just lining up to where. Like you're saying, where you want to make a change in the way we educate pre preschool minds, like your business is wanting to start. And I guess, do you have plans to have that evolve down the road? I would like to have it in a commercial location, not in my home. Um, and I'd like to be able to have more than one location and it to actually resemble what a typical school might be like. So if, instead of being in like a retail looking shop and then turning it into a school, actually having like a, an area that is an actual school and taking over an actual elementary school or something and turning it into a Montessori um, education center. Okay. And, and uh, my long, long, long term dreams are providing a holistic program that helps um, include things that you need to learn about the world, not just books and schoolwork and, and numbers and yeah. math and sounds and letters and all that stuff and reading and writing but also stuff that happens in the world how to treat somebody kindly how to make a new friend um how to help somebody when they're feeling down um where do vegetables come from like so many kids these days go oh the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> carrots come from the grocery store yep <laughs> so teaching them no carrots are a root vegetable they grow in the ground you can grow carrots yourself. You can harvest them yourself, teaching them to bring them outside more, um, just more holistic based mm -hmm. all around giving parents, um, the opportunity to come for like daddy and me or mommy and me cooking classes, mixing in fitness into it, like just an overall holistic, healthy lifestyle mixed into the kids education because then they'll grow up. We will be able to raise happy human beings that know how to solve their problems that are emotionally intelligent, um, that are in, academically intelligent um that are compassionate and care about the people around them that's so important to me i just find that 
-hmm. sometimes the world can be so cold and lonely and to to be able to start that i I believe you have to start that young you have to start it young well it's like cultivating like good humans like you said right and and it is true because a lot of stuff that you learn in school especially when you get older like it's not as relevant so like to learn all the things when you're younger and like be interested you know key right there right to be interested to to learn it exactly exactly because you don't know what your kids are going to be into like let's throw everything at them at a young age and see what they like like if they like reading or if they like sports or if i don't know they like gardening or flowers like who cares like let's see what they like and then put them in that path like i think that's a really good way to like yeah like cultivate a human at a young age that's a good human for the world like the world has learned that you cannot force somebody who doesn't want to be something to be something and the world these days is moving so much more in that direction whether it's your gender or your job or what doesn't matter what it is there's going to be people out there that you're not going to be able to force to change or to get them to conform to what society wants there's going to be those human beings and i think the world i hope the world is moving in ways that they're more accepting Mm -hmm. of children in this way like they look down as children being these small beings and i look at children like teach me something they are so their minds are so vast like there's nothing better than spending a day with a kid and watching them even pick up a stick and write their name in the sand and i'm just like wow i haven't done that for so long if you go and do that like seriously whoever's listening to this go outside and try it draw like make a snowman outside in the snow put your phone away do something like that it will bring back so much happiness i promise you you cannot be unhappy in nature playing like you were a kid it's just mm-hmm. you can't, you can't. <laughs> it's true i want like that would be great i'd love the world to be like that <laughs> it makes things more interesting more fun you know yeah unplug yeah so i've always enjoyed um coaching you know, right yeah. it's so fulfilling yeah very fulfilling especially where i have a fortunate fortunate spot to be where you know i coach peewee bantam and the high school kids so i you know get them when they're young yeah 10 to 12 they can listen they like moving their bodies you know going through going through drills learning they're just really i i like to say um Peewee and Bantam are like little sponges. They're all sponges. Agreed. Dogs. Okay, I'm not There's a hockey player. So Peewee and Bantam, what ages are those? Uh, Sorry for, to interrupt. It would be so, the same for so, hockey and football, right? Football is 10 to 12. Bantam is 13 to 15. And then Adam is 8 to 10. And Midget is midget to 17. Is in Midget now, or they, they're calling it Spring League. They call it Spring League now. Yeah, they yeah, use that um, word. Grade nine to grade eleven. That's mm. just how the age. Okay, so it's a little different. So but what yeah. ages were your favorite? You said Peewee, which was Peewee and Bantam are my favorite for the fact that they just want to soak up all the information. They're just little. They're like SpongeBob's running around like the football. <laughs> like, That's awesome. When they when more. SpongeBob gets big, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Like, tell me more. Tell me everything. Can I do this? How do I do that? And you're just, yeah, you want to tell them everything, but I've learned now. After all the years of me doing, like, I'm in the double digit years here, you know, you want to tell them enough to where you don't overload them. Because I've seen, I also see my earlies where you overload them and they're thinking while they're playing. And I suffered through that too, where I was thinking so much and um, being able to, let's say, limit the whole life kid, but give them enough to where, or simplify it to where they just look at it as the pure basic skill. But then you get to the high school kids where, 
all right, some of these guys are on track to scholarship. Some of them want to get scholarship. They're, they're hungry to refine. And that's yeah, now where I agree. I, okay, I can get into some of the more specific details and the ins and outs and the mental side. And everyone's all different, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. I do agree with that. I got one kid I'm, who I'm working with who fresh in, brand new to the program that I've been, um, that run, I guess, through all the coaching. And he's someone where I'm like, hey, we're going to make you a monster. And what's cool now is he's seen where I have two other kids where they're two, about two, year, two years in, they're seeing all the games and he sees that progress and he just knows, all right, let's just, you know, step by step, keep it simple, especially where he, this is his first year of football and we're just going to keep him growing. And um, each, age, each age group has their own um, strengths. But definitely have to say the the SpongeBobness or the willingness to. <laughs> I'm picturing that in my head right now. Anytime <laughs> <laughs> you look at youth football players, think of youth, think of young SpongeBob's that are just soaking up football knowledge or any sport knowledge, and then when they get older, okay, let's refine, let's refine it now. So that's how I would divide the two age groups and what I see, and it's ever evolving, always learning because constant improvement is somewhere like all right if i'm asking these kids to constantly improve i need to constantly improve so um, agreed agreed because I've, I've i've been there i see it i got you mm-hmm. <laughs> does Montes- montessori Montes- montessori montessori yeah montessori. okay um does any of the disciplines or philosophies invo- involve any sport at all have you found a way to connect those two worlds? That is a very interesting idea. I think I would like to steal that and ponder it for Ooh. another day. <laughs> Ooh, I right, really right like your what notes. you just said. Mm-hmm. I've not thought about that, no. But I have coached sports before, and mm-hmm. that is extremely interesting. Extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. So, no, I haven't combined the two. Yeah. But, wow. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Like, somebody write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Do you All need right. a second? She's, she's back, to to back to my back notebook. Back to her notebook. Back to her notebook. She's yeah. going to write in it. And I, if you guys want to collaborate with her, you sure you can DM her on Instagram and it'll come it up. But I think from the way she is, she might have her whole like wall of her place already figured out like how we're going to do this. <laughs> her entire wall is a whiteboard. You know what you should do? You should get um, that paint that you can paint a whole wall a blackboard. Yes. That'd be so cool. Or whiteboard. Yes, that'd be good. Just for reference, I told them that I had this huge whiteboard and that's where I wrote my notes because I think big. I tried to explain it. I don't think big. I have a giant whiteboard. It can barely fit in my vehicle. Like that's how big it is. It's huge. And I just write all my ideas on there or like mind maps or notes and sometimes goals. But yeah, just the I, background. I like, I always like that because I like it where that comes from. Like think big. Okay. And then like, some like for myself, I just need to write it down what it's going to look like. And so, having a big whiteboard just is a nice, like, thing equal into thing big. Okay, I need to fill the whiteboard with all these exactly. Ideas. You got me, you yeah, know so, what's going on I here. That's that. exactly that, it. You know? It's exactly it. I wish I could do that to my <laughs> like my condo right now, but I can't really because I have a lease on it. But I have a small whiteboard, but you do I have a bunch of big goes on and <laughs> yeah, yeah. down so it's interesting because i i also do the same thing i like make like lists and make notes and stuff but mine are all like in like tiny notebooks like this one 
mm-hmm. and then I'll just, you know, write it all down, put it in the brain. Put it in the brain. But oh, to, yeah. But to see it on a board on a nice white Every thing, day. Especially in movies, like, I always see Agreed. movies where, like, like the crazy detective or like the one yes. who has like alter, all, that's alter exactly ways. what it's like <laughs> that's awesome. you uh-huh. know me what's going on <laughs> that's exactly it you're right and like i love it i would see them and be like hmm, <laughs> what do they know that i don't know and maybe that's just a thought process but like could you imagine whereas like all those detective show tv shows where it's like the detective's trying to figure out who the Killer has this mind <laughs> with all the pictures <laughs> yeah. and like all and like the, the yarn, spider webs, the yeah, yarn yeah, going from one to another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, what if he's ADHD and that's just his way of processing it? And like, media's just been trying to tell ADHD people that it's, that's an idea you never know, but Ooh. that's a unique thing to where like I definitely want to do that in a house or in a property of that that I own. I like that blackboard idea or like right, yeah, the chalkboard. There's, there's, even, there's even a whiteboard version of it. Is like, there actually? Uh, yeah, at the from an office we have it on our boards. Mm. So Whiteboard okay. paint. Whiteboard wallpaper. Ooh! Or oh shit! It's, That's it's like next level. Paper. I should say it's, maybe it's not paper, but like it's some application to which you can stick it on and roll it all the way across. Oh, it's like a um, yes. it's like a vinyl sheet or something. Yeah, a vinyl sheet. That's a better way to put it. Describe yeah. it. It's a describing word. Yeah, better. Way to put it. <laughs> You know? But that's so cool because you could make this whole wall a black. I need to. I need to get this. this She's gonna do it. She's gonna send us a picture next if week. Anybody and wants it's to get be it for me? Let me know. <laughs> I'm open it, to receiving Christmas gifts. Getting it is one thing. I'm sure installing it is another. If you'd like to install it as well, please let me know. <laughs> no, seriously. But you could be like a DIY. I don't know. That could be interesting. It probably is. It probably is a Pinterest. You could probably Pinterest this. Probably. Probably. That's another rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> okay. Um, so I know you have a lot of notes. So would you oh, like yes, to touch on some of those? Sure. I don't want you to like have all these notes and not get to them. So Yeah, I know. We kind of got off track, but this is <laughs> yeah, we did. I thought we were going. So it's, it's working out. It's okay, working perfect. Out. Yeah, Things we can touch happening. on um, what you have there. Wherever you want to start is totally cool. So I guess it was kind of like the idea of being your own hero. It's kind of hit me the last couple of days honestly it's been very new um and i just thought about what does that mean how does somebody do that um heroes are typically somebody you look up to um yeah typically it's like a yeah yeah, typically somebody you look up to um so i have just written like a brief notes about it um things i might want to touch on so something i've learned recently is success versus satisfaction and i just wanted to say this little piece because it makes a huge difference. So we're talking about success, what makes you successful or who determines your success. Success is normally um, determined by external validation, I guess, or external... Mm-hmm. What am I trying to say? Like um, material items, maybe? Kind of, like from other people is more so what I mean. Like other people tend to determine if this is successful or not because... Oh, gotcha. Because yep. society has certain... Um, expectations or certain mm-hmm. thoughts about what it is to be successful. So people usually feel successful because they're completing something that somebody else thinks they should be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Satisfaction. Yes. I find that's, that's where the true beauty lies in, is in satisfaction because satisfaction is your own, like it comes from within yourself. You're my goodness. I can, I'm like stuttering on these words. No, it's okay. And I had it all down yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
would it be kind of like to like a delayed gratification because i find that um when people are working towards something or like trying to complete a goal or something they want it now you know what i mean yeah i know it's like a delayed gratification like can you work can you like be successful in your own way and it and it show up later at a later time as well i see what you're saying you know what i'm saying yeah Yeah, i see what you're saying i'm not sure how to touch on that though i'm just because i feel like it's kind of relatable to to like how society looks at you do you know what i mean yeah i think the success yeah the success part i think i know what you mean um i'm not really i'm like at a loss right now a little bit it's it's interesting though it's like a that's a big thought what you just said it's like a big it thought is, that right? i actually didn't i'm think sorry about until just now and then i don't <laughs> want to be like silent processing these thoughts. i'm sorry i didn't mean to throw that at you you guys are dropping huge bombs tonight. i'm Holy sorry I, i'm I, I just got all these thoughts going right now yeah I know. <laughs> why are you laughing at me me i'm so sorry i laugh when i'm nervous <laughs> no me too it's okay <laughs> So we're just gonna laugh back and forth now. <laughs> oh my gosh! What? It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Omar, you gotta fix that for me later, please. <laughs> <laughs> Snip please, it. Please don't let me. Don't Snip. let people hear me wheezing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Out here, she's like, yeah, cut it, psst, psst, cut it. Okay, so I'm going to skip past that. Okay, I'm so sorry for stumping you. No, 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 that's fine. It's good thought. This is when I should be taking notes for later, my note taking. Um, So I wanted to touch on like persistence and resilience. I think I'm just going to read out what I have down first and then we'll hit them. Um, So persistence and resilience, and this is to do with becoming your own hero. Um, Things you can control versus things you can't control. Emotional recognition and validation understanding your inner workings personality traits and um and how to move out of your own way so these are just a couple of points that i put down when i was trying to figure out what makes you your own hero and how did i get to a place where i'm like i'm gonna be my own hero i don't i don't need anything else around me like i'm gonna be me and i'm gonna work on me and i'm gonna trust myself to take me places and i'm gonna work on myself to take me places as well um I don't know if I'm getting off topic for you guys or if I should. No, no, no you're totally you know, good. This is, okay. this is a complete time where you want to, what's on your mind, let it out. Like, you want to tell people. Okay, you know. so yeah. I think I'm going to have to go into like, I'm better at, in the stories explaining these types of things. So I'm going to go kind of to like my mental health experience, if that's okay. Jump no, in 100%. There. Um, this is something I believe I've stood in my own way for such a long time. Um, and that had to do with, Honestly, I think I had to do with not really knowing who I was, which is crazy. So a lot of this came from childhood. As you guys probably know, lots of things are learned in childhood. Um, lots of your personality, your morals, your values, your ethics are made up um, from your childhood. Um, the past couple of years, I started doing uh, cognitive behavioral therapy um, and learning a lot more about myself and putting a lot of time into thinking about my thoughts <laughs> that sounds weird but um that exactly and i'm trying to go somewhere with this and i'm kind of getting lost i'm sorry <laughs> do you guys That's want to okay. jump in i'm having a hard time explaining it without having the questions you know <laughs> it happens um, 
It's all gonna happen. Did I tell you or did I tell you that I'm gonna get awkward at one point in time? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. No, and if you good. if you need to take a second too, like just let us know. We can always take a break. You we can cut that out part as well. Okay. Me telling her that she could take a break. You can if you have to go to the bathroom or anything, just let us know. <laughs> I I only went to the washroom. <laughs> yeah, like if you need to take a second, it's totally cool. Yeah. Fortunately I can always mute myself, so my arms mute. Skirt on over. Skirt skirt. Um one thing I was gonna say, uh, I think the one thing that we haven't we haven't touched on here. Do you want to keep going with what you want to touch on, or we got here? No, I'm ready for you to throw something at me. I'm sure it'll I'm, it'll all mix in. I'm sure with what your questions are, they have so far. So I think that's just the better way to go. Yeah, with um, I guess now with I don't like this. This is the first time I'm meeting. <laughs> I've been no, you're I all got, good. I got to meet you and everything, but. I'm sure through all the experiences you've been through, mentors, I'm sure you've had mentors in your in your past, like sports, um, coaches, all that. What's been the most memorable piece of advice that you've been given? Oh, yes. I was ready for this one, you guys. Ooh, good. I thought like, of that and I was like, this is a good question. <laughs> it is a good question. It seems like a pretty simple piece of advice. Um, but for my personality and who I am, it was the best piece of advice I ever got. It was from one of my high school friends. His name was Brandon Lawrence. Um, his mom, Donna, she's amazing. She's so good. But I went to my friend's wedding. I think it's um, a few years back now. And I was just telling her about being a mom. And I said, oh, I'm just, it's so hard. I'm trying to do this and that and take care of this and that and make sure the house is clean and the food is being made and it's healthy and all this stuff. She told me, ooh. She told me, um, Janae, they're not gonna your your kid's not gonna remember if you did the dishwasher that night or if there was a couple of plates left on top of the counter that were dirty. Um, they're not gonna remember if there was crumbs on the floor. She's going to remember the time you spent with her and the memories you made during the time you spent with her. And I was just like, like mind blown. Because to me, I was so preoccupied with looking like a good mom, you know, like the house needs to be clean and I need to make sure that nobody knows that I'm struggling mm-hmm. as hard as I'm struggling to do this. And by doing that, everything's in order in the house. Everything's clean. Everybody's fed. There's these healthy meals. But honestly, that stuff started taking time away from actually spending time with my daughter. And that was like a huge piece of advice that just hit me. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Um, she's not going to, she's not, she's not going to remember the dishes. She's not going to be like, oh, I stepped on a crumb on Tuesday. Like, that's not going to matter. <laughs> what matters is the memories and the time that we spend together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that being said of, you know, kids only remember the experiences and the memories. I like that a lot. Yeah. Just with them, like, no one's remember the crumb or, like, the rice that fell to right? the and the Absolutely. dog, <laughs> the dog Absolutely. But they will remember you saying, not right now. Yeah. I'm busy. They the nose. I have to clean up. I have to do this. They remember you turning them away because mm-hmm. you need to do something yeah. that's more important than them. Is like the dishes are not more important than your child. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They remember the the nose and everything. And then I remember I heard from um, other parents or other influences where, you know, say you're someone who's starting a business and is, you know, on track to try and uh, you know, have it become something, and you see, you got to give time away from your child, especially in like the first two to three years. They won't yeah. remember as much, but it's when you're three and a half, four, or five. Like, all right, 
they start to remember and realizing, oh, mom or dad is away a lot. Exactly. And is that something you, and then ask yourself, is that something you want to teach your children? Would you want your child to treat their child that way? Mm-hmm. Or if you were a child, how did you feel when somebody said that to you when you were a child? And just, you really have to think about like everything. <laughs> you really got to think about it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty big. Yeah, especially with all the programming we receive as like, human beings growing up. Because I'm sure you have, actually, there's thoughts I want to ask you on uh, being in child education, especially in preschool. Um, what kind of, what are some of the best programming dynamics that you've seen passed on to kids from their parents or what are some that that that, that whole area is just something that i've like for myself i want to make sure i'm i'm refined as i can be when i have kids to where like hey, i'm giving them the best version of like my copy of the programming that i received yeah all the alterations that i've made and now you've worked with kids alongside especially in the age where you're educating them how would you best describe, you know, ways to refine the programming from an adult perspective and just that whole I know what you mean, kind of, yeah. I get what you're saying. So one thing I'd say first is that as a mother or a father, be aware your child will always act different for you than they will their teacher, their aunt, their uncle. They will always behave slightly different for you. and. It is. And it's like, like how, like my kid doesn't put their shoes on. And then the teacher's like, yeah, they do. They can do them all by themselves. And the mom's like, what? How is they doing this? I never knew they could do that. I've tried to get them to do this for years or something, but they will always act different for their parent. And I think parents should, um, parents should understand that this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like the child is capable of doing something. A parent is a safe place for a child. A mom, typically, lots of the time is a mom. It could be a dad, no discrimination, but they're a safe place for the kid to experience feelings, um, to relax, to lay back, uh, not to be at school and always on, you know? Mm -hmm. Even as grownups, we're like that. We have a person we retreat to when we're having a hard day. We don't stomp our feet at work and cry about it. You put on your face, you get your job done, and you go home and you need that emotional support. So um, that's something that's really big to recognize don't expect your child to be like they are for other people for you as a parent you're their safe place they're not having temper tantrums because you're a bad parent they're having temper tantrums because they feel comfortable expressing their feelings to you they don't feel comfortable expressing their feelings to the teacher so to take that as like a good thing i feel happy when my daughter like she feels safe enough to cry and tell me she's hurting or um tell me she's angry like those are things that are i want her to be able to do Mm Yeah. Yeah. The openness and just the parent to think and know that that is, that is a reward. Like that is a good thing. You, you get that from your child because they love you and trust you the most out of anybody else. And that's why they're the most vulnerable around you. And that lots of the time, those are temper tantrums. Um, Programming type programming stuff. I would think it's more so a parent having an even balance of allowing the child to do what they're capable of doing so providing them independence and not coddling while at the same time having enough awareness to recognize in their child when they are in extra need of emotional support. It's a very fine line. I, I sometimes have trouble with it myself and nobody's perfect. Um, but those are just my thoughts. And there's going to be days where maybe your kid doesn't put their shoes on, but is it really necessary to sit there, grill them about their shoes, get mad at them? 
um, they don't feel love when you do that. Sometimes people have a hard day. And sometimes for a two-year-old, that's putting on shoes. <laughs> that's a big yeah. thing. It's like getting gas or going to the gym or something, a task, a bigger task for an adult. Sometimes they just don't want to do it. You're going to complain about it. We do it as people. Like, <laughs> like grown-ups do it. So to to have that respect to and, and the awareness to see the emotional needs of your child as well as trying to get them to do what they are capable of doing so they can develop independence, which develops com- develops confidence in them as well. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, when you, like, break it down like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I'm definitely too soft. Too soft of a parent on my daughter. I know <laughs> I am. Um, and I think that kind of stems from childhood. I had very a very strict mom when I was a kid. Very strict. Um, and that that just builds who you are as a person a lot of the time, too. So I'm, I've done um, some work. Okay, now we're getting to, now we're getting places, but I've done some therapy work and it's called schema-based therapy. Um, Schemas are basically your morals, values, and ethics as a person. And you take this very lengthy test to ask you big, big questions on things like, do you think if somebody does something wrong that they should suffer the consequences of what they've done wrong or be punished for doing something wrong? And you kind of answer on a scale to see where you sit and then it's all totaled up at the end. So I learned a lot about myself through doing this and yeah. it blew my mind. Um, my top four schemas, my first one was unrelenting standards. My second one was people pleasing, which is actually part of my personality. Um, the third one was punitiveness, which I was a little bit shocked about, but it made sense because that's how I was raised as well. Um, and then the fourth one was subjugation. Um, this is basically people pleasing's cousin subjugation is like people pleasing but with the undertone that you have to do it otherwise something negative will happen so people pleasing is something you want to do you like to do um and it it makes you feel good to do it subjugation is something you feel you have to do um to avoid a negative consequence from happening um so again it comes back to parenting and that you have to be so self-aware as who you are as a person before you decide to raise a person otherwise Sometimes it's the the faults that have happened to you in your past, they get transferred on. And and if that happens, the world is going to be a little bit of a scary place. Um, So it takes a lot of effort out of you as an individual to do work on yourself and know what those things mean. So for me, I know I have unrelenting standards. I can sometimes see that coming off of my daughter. It's normally um, directed to myself. I have very high standards of myself. I think that's why people think I'm humble because I don't like to say I'm very, very good at this because I don't actually believe it myself. And I know I'm like that, but I still can't help it because your schemas are something that's developed in early age and they don't change basically pretty much after 13, 14, I believe, 15, 16 teenage years. Mm -hmm. They don't change after that. This is something that lives within you. This is part of you and it's just who you are. So you can't change it. You will always feel that way. It's just your job to understand that this is how I am and this is how I feel. And then to, you can still make different decisions. Doesn't Your feelings don't have to be the decision you make. Just because you feel sad doesn't mean you have to go to bed and cry. You could go to the gym and work out. It just yeah. depends on the choices you make. And it's recognizing those um, qualities inside yourself that that's something that I've been doing a lot lately. Um, so I can even see that though with my daughter is what I was trying to get at too um i'm very hard on myself i can see her being hard on herself and that is terrifying to see i do not like it i do not want it and that 
it opens your eyes as a person though and it makes you want to be better for yourself and for the people around you so for example she would be coloring a picture freak out she throws her marker across the room she's like ah i can't do this right i messed up my picture she crumples it up she gets so angry and she starts crying she throws it on the floor and then I said, what's wrong? And she goes, I colored, like, it's like she colored outside the line, guys. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I go, oh, my goodness, that's okay. Like, like it's okay to make mistakes. And she goes, no, it's, no, it's not. And in my head, I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, I need to be nicer to myself. Like, I need to be nicer to myself because she's getting this from somewhere. Like, she has these high standards of herself from somewhere. And I'm positive they're from me. <laughs> I'm positive they're from me. Um but this transfers over into everything you do. It transfers over into your relationships. If you, I have high standards of myself, what do you think I expect of a partner? I'm okay. sure you could guess. Like, I expect high standards. So when people come into my life and they're like, they're feeling dogged, man. And I'm not going to lie. It's not easy to be my partner. Like they feel dogged because they're like, how do you do this? Like how? I mean, even Brittany, she has like that kind of personality. You know, she's always working. She's always grinding yeah. to be with someone like that. And to you have to know that about yourself too. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck in places that you don't belong. And it's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's just that you need to look for something different, maybe. Or maybe some matches aren't a good match for you. I can definitely relate to that. I think it's um, super important because, like you said, it's like your standards and like you'll be stuck somewhere, right? And I feel like in my past relationships, I can relate to that because, I mean, it's 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 interesting because when you're out of the relationship, you can see it. But when you're in it, you can't. And you can have people tell you till you're blue in the, or till they're blue in the face that something isn't right, but it's like it doesn't click. You know what I mean? And like for me personally, like I'm super picky and I have like really high standards for when I want to date somebody. You know what I mean? And I just feel like looking at my past relationships, it's like, why did I not see that? Why did I not see? And it has nothing to do with any of them specifically, if you know any of my exes, I'm just saying like, why did I not see the laziness? Why did I not see the like 0% drive to do anything? Or why did I see like the minute, why didn't, why didn't I see the manipulation? Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, so it's spot on. Yeah. So it's like me personally, I know, especially now after like growing and changing, um, especially since like March, since COVID basically, it's like, I know that I need to be with somebody who pushes me like to my max sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I need to be with somebody who has drive, who has determination, who gives a fuck about what they're doing with their life. You know what I mean? And cares about me and what I'm doing and what I'm doing and wants me to do 100%, 150% of what I can do. And like, I think that's what, interesting because it's like not everybody's gonna match up to you you know what absolutely. i mean absolutely not everybody will match up to you and it sometimes comes back on you and you have to rely on yourself to do the work on yourself and with yourself to ask the hard questions like why mm-hmm. like why am i picky or what to me i was like why do i have unrelenting standards because because why and it's like well i never ask anybody to do anything i wouldn't i would never expect more from somebody Mm -hmm. than i would willing to give myself and that's just who i am as a person then i went oh thing there it is answer right there it's because i expect so much from myself that when somebody comes in and and i feel that i'm doing everything it's it just hits me the wrong way and then my standards for myself go on to them 
And I want, mm-hmm. I have high standards of them as well. And, and it's not that, and it's not that it's bad. You don't, it doesn't have to be something that's bad about you. Sometimes it's just something that's about you and to know it about mm-hmm. yourself and to say, I am that way because I hold myself to high standards and I like that. I like that about myself. It's not something you need to push away. It's something that you can, you can harness a little bit so you're not overwhelming on people. And I'm never usually like this with, with friends or, um, family or my daughter. I'm usually like this in a relationship, but it's because I look for an equal partner. I want somebody to Mm -hmm. work as hard for something as I work for it and to stand by me and support me just as I would them as well. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's interesting because it's like the amount of effort that you put in too, right? So it's like, how do you, how do you fix, how do you not fix, but how do you like navigate it? And it's so, it can be so hard to navigate. You know what I mean? And it's like, you have to sit with yourself and be like, find your fucking worth, like straight up, you know, you have to find your worth and then be like, this is why this person is not worth my time. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of like that where you have like a center and it's like, I am this way. So what is it like for this other person? How do they meet that? How do they match that or exceed it instead of like go below it? Because I know for me. at times too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even complimenting the trait works right? well sometimes. It's so particular. It's insane. The it's human a balance. psychology is so particular. It is a balance for sure. It's it's yeah, it's so interesting the the balance of it. Yeah, and I've learned with myself that so the top 4 that I was telling you about, the second one being people pleasing cuz my traits seem to like they seem to be almost opposing because I have unrelenting standards and punitiveness, which is like somebody deserves punishment for doing something wrong basically like you suffer the consequences and kind of like learn the hard way um and so those two are quite harsh but then the other two are both basically like pleasing people and doing what other people want me Mm -hmm. to do for them and the balance of that is is very 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 strange (laughs) like so punitiveness is again something that's directed towards myself i don't usually direct it at other people but I do find it confusing when other people don't have consequences for themselves. I didn't know that was a thing. So when I didn't perform well in a sport or something like that, I would think it's appropriate to say, you know how coaches will make you run lines or if you're not yeah. listening, you got to do fitness or something like that. If you had mm-hmm. a bad game, you're hockey, you're doing dry land or something like crazy. I would be the same way, but it was only ever self-inflicted on myself. Like the coach wouldn't make me do it. But if I felt like my unrelenting standards were not my standards were not met during a game. I would, and I didn't see it as a punishment at the time. But now looking back on it, I said, you know, that was a little intense. <laughs> like I would stay after training for hours and do the same thing over and over and over. So at the same time, so this seems kind of weird and and it, and it feels a little bit bad sometimes. And you're like, wow, I punished myself for not doing a good enough job. But at the same time, I think about it and I'm like, I think that's what made me a better athlete is that my standards were so high and the way I responded to the, that and what yeah. I did with that actually made me a better player because I would do it over and over and over again. I would run sprints until I puked because I didn't think I worked hard enough until I physically couldn't do any more. And that's just kind of how I was as a person. Knowing when to apply that and when not to apply that is like the key in my life right now. And knowing that I have people-pleasing ways is another thing I'm very aware of and at this point in time I just recently got out of a relationship about a month and a half or two months ago um, to which I learned a lot from 
Um, but now working on these schemas that I have, I'm finding to, that I feel very, very empty because I've basically had all these important things in a box, which are like my morals and values and things I believed in and who I am. And I feel like it's just been dumped out on the floor and it's scattered in a mess. And I have to relearn what's important to me and pick it up and put it in the box. I have to relearn what I like, pick it up and put it in the box. And it's such a process. Interesting. It is a huge process. So it's a mm-hmm. very empty feeling. And at the same time, this is like where I was be your own hero kind of thing. At the same time, I'm the one that's going to pick up the pieces, not somebody else's time. I'm not going to be a broken thing that someone's going to find and try and figure out how to put back together. I'm going to pick myself up, put my pieces back together, rebuild myself um, and move forward through that. Because the people pleasing trait is probably one of the hardest ones I'm having to deal with right mm-hmm. now. Because I honestly don't know what I like. They're like, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I like to watch basketball. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. I just started watching this year, but it's because my ex watched basketball. And I got really into it. I, I like when other people are happy. And I actually cannot help it. I just like to make other people happy. So everything yeah, I, can agree I with do that. right now is I have to break it down. And I think about it and I'm like, you know, I don't actually like watching that. Or I don't like doing that. I just did it because the other person liked doing that. Mm-hmm. And like trying to figure out what you even like when you're a person that survives off of doing things for other people and you don't have a per- a people. <laughs> There's no people there. It's like, it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle. But I'm it learning. Is. I'm learning and I'm picking up the pieces and putting them back together. And mm-hmm. I'm recognizing that it's, I can't even explain how difficult it is to know when you're doing something for yourself because when you're a people-pleasing person, it is doing something for yourself to make somebody else happy. You thrive off somebody else's happiness. Yep, 100%. So you feel like you are doing something for yourself because you're actually, it's happy, it makes, it makes you happy now. Yep. And it feels like, oh yeah, I did that for myself. And then <laughs> you have to break it down so far to be like, be thinking, you know what? I didn't really want sushi for dinner. I just said it was okay because I knew they love sushi. But when you do that in every aspect of your life, you don't have, you lose yourself like so 100%. much. 100%. I could totally relate to that. Yeah. 100%. And I like, I feel that because I had to refine myself after my recent relationship. You know what I mean? And I, it's nice to do the things I like doing because I was talking to Omari um, the other day and I was like, I sure as hell wouldn't be doing this if I was with my ex right now. 100%. Same guys. Same. Like I would never have done something like this. I don't know why. I just don't know how it would have made them happy. And it's not like he wouldn't let me do it. It's no, not like for sure. I said it, he wouldn't let me do it. But I spent so much of my time doing things that would make him happy. Yeah, 100%. And it wasn't even healthy for the relationship. It wasn't even healthy for him. It wasn't even like he got a ton of things out of me doing everything or um, doing a lot of things for him or anything like that. It actually enabled him to be lazier. And that's mind-blowing. You just open your mind and say, you look into yourself and like, again, it's like, be your own hero. <laughs> it's all in yourself. You attract yep. these people to you. You accept these people into your life. Um, you have these traits that whether you like it or not, they will bring out other traits in other people. And and I had to finally come to terms with, look, you're not helping this person by being with them. You're not helping this person by doing everything for them. They are not learning what they're meant to be learning at this stage of their life because you're doing it. 100%. That's so crazy. I just really yeah. do. Like it's a I, big, I like, mind blow. Right? But even yeah. for anybody listening, like, you might be like, oh, wow, this is a thing that I've experienced. Or maybe you're experiencing it right now. You know what I mean? And you don't think about it until after. But it takes a lot of time to to, to sit there and think about these things. And you it's know? not comfortable. Like, being no, alone, 
and having, especially when you're a person that thrives off of other people's happiness, it's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever had to do um, to not reach out and grasp at mm-hmm. somebody else. Like, that's how I feel. That's interesting. I actually saw a quote um, the other day. I'm just going to pull it up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you it. It's interesting. It's a good Is one. Is for quote of the day or no? No, no, it's not for quote of the day. Um, but I saw it and I was like, this is super interesting. And I think, I think you'll, you'll like it. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm just getting my stuff together. Um, okay. The quote is, don't allow your loneliness to lower your standards. Yeah, that's deep. Right? I, I tell you things. <laughs> Because it's it's so true because it's like, especially after you're going through a breakup, it's like you're so lonely and you're so down and you're like having all of these thoughts of being like, how am I ever going to get over this? It's like, you'll just jump at the next person that gives a fuck, even like a slightest one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, it might absolutely. not be, it might not be a positive thing for you at all, but you're just going to do it because you're lonely as fuck and that's just not right. You know? And again, I can't say it more. This is where the thought kept popping to my head. Be your own hero. Stop reaching and grasping like you can't breathe because if you just sit for five more seconds you'll figure out that you can breathe like you can do this on your own 100 percent. you don't need people it's in your head it's a mental game and what it makes you feel sad okay well feel sad that's okay sadness is a feeling and that's okay you can feel sad feelings are intended to like back in the day feelings were intended to get you to do something like for your safety basically like fight or flight like am i safe am i scared um they were to get you to act on that you know it's an instinctual thing they're not a bad thing it's okay to feel sad and something again that i've learned through working on myself is um a phrase i love feelings are not facts like you made me sad it doesn't mean like you can't sorry you can't say those things like you made me sad because that person's not in control of your feelings you feel sad go ahead say i feel sad that's that's fair you feel sad are you sad no you're not sad it doesn't a feeling doesn't describe you as a person it's like when somebody says i'm fat it's like the worst thing i I hate hearing that it's like no you're not fat you have fat you have body fat but you aren't fat just because you have something or feel something doesn't mean that's who you are it does not describe your being like you're so much more than what you just feel because feelings pass they go Mm -hmm. never are stuck in one feeling it lasts for quite some time it can but they never stay forever ever they'll always move into something else i like that (laughs) it got deep real quick (laughs) right it was deep went deep um what are some of the habits and routines that you're currently doing to progress yourself forward either in business or personal any anything to where you say like you know i need to keep doing xyz to progress myself i'm actually a person that's not very good at having a routine or habits um again i think that kind of sometimes comes from adhd being a little bit scatterbrained and all over the place Mm -hmm. i have a hard time with time management and sticking to a schedule excuse me (laughs) sorry um but things habits that i do have are mindfulness um working on my inner self so recognizing thoughts and feelings and trying to process them consciously and putting actual effort into that every day asking myself how do you feel where are these feelings coming from um and working through that and then another kind of quirky one is i like to be clean um i think again i think it all comes back to adhd i have an 
a slight obsession with having my area that I live in or work in be almost immaculate. And I think it's just having a busy brain makes it hard for me to be in a busy environment. I like to have it clean um, and tidy and everything to be put away. And I think that just helps me have an open mind or process thoughts without having distractions. Yeah, they're not very fun things that are routines. Like there's nothing I do every day. I thought about this question and I thought, okay, well, people brush their teeth at the same time every day. And then does Janae? No, not really. <laughs> like <laughs> it'll be a different time every day. Like, do you take your medication at the same time every day or your vitamins? I'm like, no, just when I remember. Or do you go to bed at the same time every day? Absolutely not. No, I struggle with these things a lot. Um, but sometimes I think that a little bit of madness in the mind is a good thing. That it kind of takes you further um, and deeper into thoughts and and exploring new things. So mm-hmm. sometimes I just embrace the madness of I can't sleep tonight. I rarely, rarely ever do something that's not productive. Um, whether it's working, most of the time right now, it's been working on myself because I've taken that as a priority. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for the routines. Yeah. What uh, what's an area that you're working on yourself right now? Hmm. I'm working on allowing myself to not feel okay and to make sure that I can handle it not being okay, if that makes sense. Everybody's saying it these days and I don't, it never really hit me very hard when they just say it's okay not to be okay because anybody who feels not okay, the first thing they think is I'm not okay. This isn't okay. (laughs) That's literally the first thing they'll think. It's fair. Anybody with anxiety, extreme anxiety, they'll be like, I'm not okay. And if somebody's like, it's okay to be not okay, they'd be like, no, it's not. This is terrible. I feel terrible. So normally those things for most people in human psychology come with like impulsive decisions. Um, They act out on their emotions too much. Uh, They have a hard time finding their logical brain. So there's emotion brain, logical brain, if you think of it on a scale left to right. In the middle is wise mind. So... Lots of practicing at being at wise mind where you can consider your emotions, but also make a logical decision. Yeah. Yeah. That comes back to one of the points I said earlier about learning to control the things you can and let go of the things you can't. I'm a huge, anybody with anxiety would understand too, like um, worrying about things and then not really determining if those things are something to even be worried about. Like if it even makes sense to have them on your mind, if you can't control them you have to try and let them go but moving into the end here um who would you say is your hero you you tossed on i was so prepared for this Ooh, <laughs> she knew we were gonna ask she it how do you become your own hero and i feel like at first you want to look up to someone but then becoming that someone you hold yourself to yeah i'm gonna drop the mic so hard right now you don't even know oh shit <laughs> I'm ready. I thought so hard about this question. And I just, all I could think in my head is, I don't think I have a hero. (laughs) Which I guess plays perfectly into what I'm asking all of you to do in being your own hero. Um, When I had to like, I'm like, you got to think of one. Honestly, the only thing I could think of was my mom. And it sounds so soft. And it makes me all mushy gushy. And I don't like that. But um, she was just somebody who worked very hard. Um, She started with her work as like a small somebody basically if you think about it she was a secretary um well she was a server when i was a kid she barely slept she had three kids and raised us all by herself we're 18 months apart um she 
like from she went from being a server and she's like working with the vice president of a company right now she's done her master's she's almost completed her master's i believe um for business administration and she hasn't even had an undergrad so she got oh, wow. she got school. into school um by applying and writing essays and answering all these questions she works her tail off you guys she works her tail off um and she never stops she's in her 50s now and she's still doing school online working a full-time job managing her life like a hero bang like a hero that's the one um but she's the one who gave me my work ethic and i don't think i would make it as far as i am today if i didn't have that work ethic because at so many points in time in my life i could have just not stood up like it, it beats you down anybody who feels like life beats you down it does and it's okay and especially lately, everybody tells you it gets better. It's going to get better. And I've heard that for three years straight. There's nothing I hate more right now than somebody saying it's going to get easier. And I said, that's what they said three effing years ago. <laughs> and it's getting harder and harder as we speak. And to that, I just had to tell myself there's a lesson you need to learn here. And if you had learned the lesson the first time, it probably wouldn't have kept happening. Mm. So you need to get up and try again. And it happens, and then it happens again. And I say, you, you need to get up and try again. Cause I believe there's always a lesson to learn. I don't feel that people lose at anything. I feel like you have a choice to win or, or you either learn or you win. You win or you learn. I don't believe in losing. I don't like losing. I'm a very competitive person. So, ooh. <laughs> so yeah. The way she just said that. Like, right? Rack. She gave us a good stare, <laughs> too. <laughs> it was like fierce. I was like, I don't guys. lose. I, I do don't not lose. <laughs> what is losing? Yeah. But yes, my hero would be my mom because I think that that work ethic has brought me through struggles physically maybe in sport it's brought me through struggles in my career struggles with my emotions or struggles even with depression just saying like i'm gonna work if i work it'll be fine like just keep getting up and keep working at it and, and honestly it's only been the past month or so i really did not think things were gonna get better and i kept sitting there and saying why why is this happening to me and losers say why you guys <laughs> losers say why accept the challenge in front of you and get up and move forward and don't accept no for an answer that's about it that's i love it that's love a good it. ending note for sure hold on mic drop <laughs> <laughs> you weren't ready you weren't fucking ready he wasn't ready he wasn't hey was i hey was i ready oh my gosh all right Kelsey. okay yeah, you're not gonna follow up that mic drop with a I don't know. mic drop. Okay, this is a good one. Um, this one actually is like is super personal. Drop worthy. Well, I don't know. It is well, for so me. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Okay. 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 Hold quote, on a sec. Quote. Quote. Okay. So, quote of the day would be. Okay, so this one's actually important to me. So I have a tattoo on my left bicep, and it's an oar. And people are always like, why do you have a paddle on your arm? <laughs> well, actually, it's not a paddle. It's an oar. I call it an oar. It's an oar. Okay. And the reason I got it is because of this quote. So my uncle, um, he actually passed away a few years back. Um, but this is something that he said to me one time we were talking about hockey. And um, they were a football family, but he he gave like some good advice, you know. So the quote is, if the wind will not serve, take to the oars. And I really took that to heart. 
and I think it fits with this episode as well. Um, basically, like if it if you don't just receive something, basically work for it, and that's what I did straight up. Like I was one of the hardest working people. Like, and I don't mean to sound, you know, like I'm pumping my own tires or anything, but I know I'm a hard worker, and so I, that's how I embodied it. If I wanted something, I went for it. Like I wanted to play college hockey, so I busted my ass. You know? Mm-hmm. So, if you're listening, if the wind will not serve, take to the oars. Take to the oars. Damn. Right? I like that, I like that, that one. It's like a double mic drop. I don't know what to do. Right? So, that's why I got the <laughs> oar. Because I was going to get the quote, but the oar can embody like so oar. much more. The oar is more. Thank you. People the... make, f- people like, we're like, why do you have a paddle? Oh, man, you just don't get it. Tat- <laughs> you just don't get it tattoos are that area to where like it is so personal for like yeah i see someone with a tattoo i'm like and I'm, I'm intrigued by it. i'm like oh like what does that mean what does that mean to you like mm-hmm. that, like i have to make sure i always add like to you because everyone's gonna have their own perception but i'm like what does that mean to you oh like, right it's my mother's my grandmother's their handwriting it's this it's, it embodies this mm-hmm. you know like I know the day when my sister got her first tattoo, and um, we'd all, we we all teased her. And I, after we teased her, like, all right, what does it mean to you? And she tells us about us as a family. And we're like, okay, that's that's pretty cute. So yeah, we also teased her. Well, it's interesting too because like he told me that probably when I was in like grade ten or eleven. Like this was a while ago, you know what I mean? And I just held it. And I got my tattoo when I was, I think, 20. Okay. 1920, something like that. Yeah. What was your uncle's name? Uncle Grant. Aww. Yeah. I love it. I love that story. Sorry. I love things. Thank you. Like Thank that. you so I really much. I appreciate it. And I think it, it's so suiting. And I'm. it's just in my head now. I feel that. Right? One. Yeah. I do I have like another that. one from him, but we'll save that for a later date. That one means a lot to me, too. So... You know, we're out here with the quotes. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was so good. Every day is so Every good. Day is so good. Every day is so good. Every day is a great day. People are like, oh, wait, it's the ending. Omar's going to say it's so good. He's going to say like, it. Just fucking hit him is. with it. Man, I'm really right. swearing today. I need to work on that. Stop swearing. <laughs> Anyways, continue. We'll continue. Okay. Well, with that being said, Janae, anything left you have to say to the people? No, I think that was a great closing. I think it fits perfectly. Um, yeah, last thing I would say would be if anybody, if anybody's finding themselves in low places, try and remember that your feelings aren't facts, that you can pick yourself up. And as much as it feels like you need somebody else or something else, you have everything inside you that you need to do what you need to do. And that's about it. There you have it. Love yeah. it. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I really appreciate it. People find you for yourself personally and with your business as well. You know, my is- business is called Wholesome Beginnings. Uh, we have an Instagram. It's at Wholesome Beginnings Montessori. Um, I also have a personal Instagram. It's private, but you guys can hit me up anyways. You'll still slide into the DMs. Um, it's at yep, that's Janae. So Y E P. That's Janae. We'll take it. Or we'll, we'll it. put it in the description. We'll put it in the description. There we tag go. it. Um, you guys will see your stuff. Make sure you like, comment, 
Um, we also got our Facebook going live, so make sure we you guys do. go on there. And I want to help. The goal for the Facebook is to help build that as a community where people can have mm-hmm. conversations about the podcast. And you can mm-hmm. hear a lot of feedback, and I think it would be really cool to have everyone interact with that feedback. Definitely. And also, too, if you're listening to our episodes and something resonates with you or you have ideas or, you know, you're making way in your space, pop into our DMs. Honestly, like if you want to have a conversation with us or you want to come on Entitled and you think that, you know, that's something that you'd be interested in, let us know. You can hit us up on our personal Instagrams or on Untitled. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, We'll get back to you. Let us know. We do have a... We do, we do have a list of people we have, but schedules change. Yeah, we can always you know, work in. We'll, we'll, we do our COVID. best. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Tove is now going <laughs> to to which we'll see what we're going to adjust with. But hey, you know what? We're going to stay liquid out here. All right. That's the one. Adaptable. Okay, wrap it up. All right, folks, you take care. Remember, eat your veggies, cash your checks. Oh, Drink your, your water. water. And cash them big checks. All right. Let's go. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Janine, you gotta say bye. Bye.